Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett. Now, we've been off a little bit, took a little break from it. We actually tried to record a podcast, unfortunately, with audio issues. I, the episode wasn't really usable, so we do apologize for the, for the wait between the podcast, but uh, we, we promise that this one will be a good one, because there is a lot to talk about in the rugby world. So, the World Rugby the World Rugby World Cup's over. Sonny Bill Williams is signed with the Wolfpack. It's just been chaos in, in the rugby world. How are you dealing with all this news? Uh, excitement. Uh, still not sleeping ever. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's fun that, the, you know, the uh, rugby kind of operates on a year-long calendar. So there's, uh, there's really no downtime, even the... Uh, you know, Rugby World Cup ends. You get the Sonny Bill Williams news. You get the the Saracens apparently don't know how to spend money either. So uh, they got their news as well. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously some some huge, some of the bigger stories of the uh, the rugby year come after the, the World Cup. It's kind of interesting. So um, also, you know, the, even like the little things, Tyler Ardron got announced to be playing for the Barbarians later the uh, uh, this year as well, so that's kind of cool for uh, Canadian rugby fans too. Yeah, good for him. Also, re-signing with the Chiefs as well for another season. You know, he's been rewarded for his hard work. You know, in Super Rugby and being captain Canada. Good for him. And you know, it's I. I was hoping you wouldn't bring up the Saracens thing because I didn't want to get mad. I didn't want to get fired up. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. You know, the rugby never really stops. Is I was watching some of the Pro Fourteen uh, Leinster versus. Uh, Oh boy, who are they playing? They're playing someone this weekend, and uh, my wife came downstairs and said, "There's still rugby on." And I'm like, "It, it doesn't all, stop. It's always rugby. It doesn't Dude, stop. We we got new rugby, rugby we X got, now. There's there's the new rugby. Oh rugby. yeah, a shiny new toy, rugby. Yeah, X. with a shootout, which was that was that was something. Uh, I actually think that would have been a cool idea, like that little one on one thing. If they like, they just need to narrow that channel. And be like, you just have to truck over the defender. <laughs> it's like make like make that like instead of giving them the width of the field to work with, because all the defenders do is just kind of like does a stutter step and then hit the gas pedal to the corner. That's all every attacker did, um, and nobody could stop it. So it's like I think if they just narrowed that channel and actually force you to like figure out a way to beat a defender just like one on one with no. With nowhere to actually go, I think it would be a little bit more interesting. It's like every drill every high school coach makes you do. Yeah, exactly. 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 Uh, with that. thousands of people watching. It reminded me like when like hockey first put in the shootout and nobody knew what to do until <laughs> eventually until like right. It's like that that was like the first one. Like I just feel like and then, and then all of us, and eventually, like if they keep going with rugby X, it's like eventually somebody will figure out a way to stop that. And then, like eventually, I think. But uh, until then, who knows? But it'd be like it'd be funny because it's like I remember that like that one stretch when hockey introduced the shootout where there were guys in the NHL solely because they were good at shootouts, <laughs> um, and like the coaches would just pin them to the just nail them to the bench for the first 65 minutes of the game and then the shootout they would hop over and just go and do their thing in the shootout but that'd be interesting if rugby x develops that because they already stole a bunch of stuff from hockey like five on five changing on the fly a weird 
a weird way to settle ties that nobody likes. It's. <laughs> I have I have a lot of, I have a lot of it's opinions. It's in a hockey arena, like I'm yeah. Like, I have a lot of opinions about like subbing and, and rugby that I don't want. I don't think people want want to hear. So we'll uh, yeah. we'll pin it's that too, for another day. You don't have a podcast where you're allowed to voice your opinions. So I don't I don't I don't think this audience wants me to go on that tangent because I feel like we'll lose as 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 few viewers we have. But uh, you know we're gonna start with our with our first bit of news, and it was the, the World Cup's over, guys. It's it's finished. South Africa has won. And you know, a funny little stat that I saw is, yeah, yeah, Derek was yeah. right. Derek, yeah, exactly. Derek, yeah, had the right guess. Called, Good for I Derek. Called. called it from the beginning of the World Cup when we did our, our guesses. But. Uh, so, so South Africa won their third World Cup. And it's funny, if you look at the years in which they won, it's been every 12 years that they've won their World Cups. Which is really, really yeah, funny. It's, that's just it's a funny coincidental stat. It's, uh, Were they I, playing? I, I, it's weird. I mean, it's the crazier stat, though, is they got three World Cups and they missed the first two of them, too. Yeah. And then this was the first year where they actually scored a try. Yes, yeah, that too. It's um, and even crazier, they still haven't allowed a try in three yeah. World Cup finals. They st- still no, you can't. It's it's and tough you know, to win a rugby game when you can't score. So that's um, true. You know what? That that leads to our first point, Derek. Is this game really showed how strong of a defensive team South Africa is? I mean, all the, the meters that England was able to muster was two hundred one meters on the attack. Yeah. That's that's in in a final when your team that's consistently been scoring tries within the first ten minutes of a game to not be able to score any and to not be able to get anything going within those first ten minutes is insane. So do you think that this was probably one of the strongest defensive games you've ever seen? Yeah, I mean, I I would put it up there. The uh, the South African defense really uh, they they came out and played very hard in this one. Uh, you know, we kind of we knew they would do that, though. Like that's like you said, like that's. I mean, this is their the it was their third Rugby World Cup final. The first two didn't even have a try in any of the games. Um, kind of looking back on it too, like the like that that '95 World Cup was like you know jo- Jonah Lomu was setting the record for the most tries in a World Cup, and then they like completely shut him down in that game too. Um, I believe uh, I'm kind of blanking on it now too, but I believe there was another All Black that was actually tied for the tournament lead um, that year as well. Then they combined for no tries against the Springboks in the final too. Um, so it's like it's kind of like sort of like, I guess like their trademark of the Springbok style is to play that. You know, like they're one of the bigger teams in the world um, as far as size is concerned, and uh, they they use that size very well, very effectively. Um, Especially on defense, I thought the the first like I mean obviously to start the game they were just kind of they're really just kind of trading penalties um, a lot of the time, um, which is something that South Africa is perfectly fine with doing. Uh, Andre Pollard is a very accurate kicker, so they they they're definitely fine with just ticking the scoreboard over because they know. Like they, they just have that confidence in their defense that they know, like if they can just keep the scoreboard ticking over, they know that it's going to make it even, exponentially harder um, for the other team to win. Um, so uh, I thought like one of the uh, the big big moments of the game though 
um, was that that goal line stand that they had um, around the 30th minute um, where England actually managed to get down to essentially right along the um, uh, the South African goal line. And uh, it was just there was like a bunch of phases just right on the line that um, South Africa's defense was just in great position. Nobody missed a tackle. Everyone did exactly just everybody just locked in, did their job. Um, you know, every every tackle was perfect. Every everybody was exactly where they needed to be. Uh, and it was like it was crazy, too, to watch. Like just um, I think that's the one thing that it's like is is kind of really fun about rugby sometimes. Um, I guess, in my opinion, maybe one of the more like underrated things that I really enjoy um, in watching rugby is just watching a team have the ball and just going backwards, like just exponentially, slowly, every play, they just slowly start going backwards, um, which is what South Africa did. They had um, uh, their captain, Sia Khaleesi, um, had that big hit on uh, Billy Vinopolo, and it just started the, and then, you know, it was just a couple plays after that that they went from, um, England went from on the try line outside the 22, um, which was a pretty impressive play. Obviously, they got a penalty out of it, but, you know, not giving up the try, was a, I think it was a big moment of the game, and their defense uh, shined through it. I think the big thing about the defense, and you made a good point, is it's just like England was stuck in, was it was a truck stuck in mud. You know the tires yeah. were spinning, but they weren't moving. I mean, you know they had they 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 had 123 runs, you know 153 passes, but that can only equate to 201 yards. Where alas, yeah. you know the Springboks had 89 runs and only 97 passes, you know for 369 yards. You know c- compare the clean breaks. You know the Springboks had 11 compared to two. To only have two clean breaks in a game, that means, you know, they were spot on. I mean, if you even go down 92% success in tackling for the Springboks, they were making every tackle matter. And, I mean, they were tackling a lot, you know, almost 60 more tackles than the English did. But, you know, they were making them them count. You know, yeah. They, and that's, that's just the way, exactly, yeah. the way that game looked. It looked like England did have a certain amount of possession. You know, they, they were definitely in – the other side of the field more often, but they weren't getting much farther than the 50 yard line. Yeah, no, that, that, that's exactly it though. But even like, you know, I, I, I highlighted that defensive stand there. Um, but like the entire game, just England just wasn't clicking at all. Um, you could tell like the South African line speed was really messing with the England backs. Um, None like none of their plays were like clicking. Nobody was, you know, the the passes were like going to deck. The passes were going over guys' heads. Um, they, you know, they were going. They were too far behind guys. Um, obviously, there was a handful of knock-ons and things like that as well, which led to scrums, which was another problem for England. Um, but they just they they could never the the English. Did, Offense never looked like it could settle in and actually do what they wanted to do um, because South Africa just kept disrupting it. Um, their their line speed was outstanding. And like there was a big reason, like you said, a, like I said, a big reason why they were going back. Like England was just going backwards the whole game it was because South Africa had so many hits behind that game line. Um, and it was just 
they they were never like England offense could never get settled in. They were never comfortable, um, and you know South Africa just took advantage of that. Um, and like I mean, you gotta really give all the credit to or all the credit in the world. South Africa is like they have they're one of those teams that just has a clearly defined playing style, and they stick with it, and they just kind of dare you to figure out a way to beat them. Um, like they, like I said, like a big issue with uh, that England struggled with was obviously um, with uh, Kyle Sinclair um, having a very unfortunate, scary looking mm-hmm. injury um, just two minutes into the game. Uh, like, which, uh, man, like that was that was tough to watch um, for one. And it was like he like, but, um, you know, he ended up having Dan Dan Coles come in. Um, for the rest of the match and uh, Cole's like that it was a really tough break for England. I was obviously Sinclair's a, a great player, um, but it like Cole's was really struggling with the beast. Um, and you know, the, and he was uh, the beast was forcing him into a lot of penalties, um, which Pollard Pollard used to slot a bunch of uh, points on the board. Um, and so it was, there was a lot of this, you know, when your defense can get up on like off the line that quick and disrupt the uh, the back line's attack, um, forcing them into bad passes, forcing them to into knock-ons, um, then you know you can and you have um, a scrum that's as effective as the Springboks. Um, you're going to cause a lot of problems for the other team, and um, it's just a they just have a really great system where everything kind of like links up and feeds into each other. And I think that's a great point. And it, hopefully Strickler's injury wasn't anything too serious. Now, one thing I did want to ask, uh, Derek, is I'm looking right now at the stats of the game. And we know that uh, Dwayne Vermeulen was named man of the match. And it, he, had a, he had a good game. He, he, me watching him, I really enjoyed how he played. You know, he definitely was a strong ball carrier for the, for the uh, Springboks. And uh, made a good couple very big tackles, but to me, yeah, I think to uh, nine nine of uh, uh, points from uh, Pollard's penalties were off uh, Vermeulen. Um, so that's uh, he was the one that generated the penalty on a uh, yeah two three of uh, Pollard's uh, attempt too. So yeah, you know he, he had a big but... impact. So are you are you okay with with the the man of the match announcement for for Vermeulen, or is there somebody else? in the lineup that you thought maybe deserved it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I'm definitely okay with, uh, I think there was a handful of guys, like there's probably, um, uh, like three or four guys. I think that, you know, you, I would have been fine with them giving it to, um, just because there, there was a bunch of guys that played great. I mean, obviously, you know, you could always do like the easy one of, you know, Mapimpy just cause he, uh, scored the game winning try, um, or the first try. And, um, but, um, you know, same with Colby. It's the try scores. It's an easy one. Um, but uh, I think like uh, the Beast uh, that would like the Beast had a really good game. Um, he was, like I said, he was causing a lot of issues for uh, England in the scrum, um, and he was also being playing very well in defense. He had a big role on that uh, massive goal line stand that I talked about earlier. 
Um, but and you know, uh, knowing now that he retired, like that would have. I don't necessarily think if I didn't know he retired, I would have given it to the Beast. But now that I know he retired, I would have been like that would have been a cool way to retire. <laughs> um, uh, so um, may, maybe him. But um, for, for a genuine one, I think uh, the Lucano M. Um, for me, I thought had an outstanding game. He uh, made a number of uh, you know big tackles and stuff on defense, as uh, as a lot of um, South Africans did in this game. Um, but I think you know he obviously, but he played like a massive role in the two tries that they scored as well. Um, obviously, on Mpimpi's try, he was the one that chased down the ball. Uh, he got the ball to Mpimpi in the first place. Um, Mpimpi's kick over the top. He was the one that chased it down and made a really nice sort of gather and pass in one motion um, to set that up. He and he also- could have gone in. He could have taken that in himself. You know, he that took old- a 90 percent chance try to a hundred percent chance try. Yeah, was- exactly. It's like he could have taken that in, or he could have got hit just before the line. Um, yeah. But he made the play that was like that guy's going to get in. Um, and I, I, which is I, good for him, but it's uh, a good point too. Yeah, but um, uh, the other one though is after uh, Malcolm Marks made that huge hit and turned the ball over, um, Mero Itoje was about to kind of pounce on the ball, and then Am sort of just completely snuck in and boxed them out in order to actually pop the ball up to uh, um, Detroit, who was able to. Um, made a little run and then was able to get the ball to Colby for the uh, for the second try too. Um, so I mean, Colby's try he had the uh, some of the magic footwork there, um, and everybody got the uh, you know the meme of Owen Farrell kind of looking back at him as he ran across the line. And uh, but like the play, the play doesn't happen without Am kind of out muscling Etoje to just pick up the loose ball in the first place. Um, so I think. For me, it was just like, uh, you know, he obviously had he had a good game like all around, but I think the fact that he was so directly involved in the two scoring or the two tries, um, I think, kind of boost his uh, um, boost his player of the game argument in my mind. Right. See, I'm I'm gonna be a little lazy about this, uh, but not lazy. Predictable. Uh, I think I think my my. Uh, my man in the match goes to Andre Pollard, and you know we can we can talk about his kicking till Kingdom Come. And I think why I think that he had such a strong game is he also just was very impressive with ball in hand as well. I mean, Pollard himself is a big ten. Like he's one of like he he plays like he's like a he's like a flanker sometimes when he goes into contact. Everybody except the clerk on South Africa is big for their position. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so comparatively speaking, maybe Colby. Colby might not be considered big for a wing, but yeah, oh yeah, he's he's a little guy. But I, I just really enjoyed watching him play, and I think I think maybe it's out of ignorance. I haven't watched a lot of Pollard play, and you know, I, I really enjoyed how he decided to sometimes say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be a ten this this sequence, yeah. and just kind of win the contact." I mean, you know, he had one clean uh, clean break and also one defender beaten, so. You know, just, yeah. it's just a I lot mean, of fun. Yeah, exactly. I like the the other thing too with uh, the man in the match is like, does does Peter Steph Detroit win uh, Player of the Year if he doesn't have a great game in the World Cup or in the World Cup final? Because it's it kind of seemed like I like I don't know if he won it and then he played that game and I'm like you, 
Like once he made that pass to Colby, it was like you just won player of the yeah. uh, player of the year. That's if that's interesting. Because like, yeah, like I, I don't know if it was like if it was tight, like if it was he was the best player, but it was just like man, you you killed it in the biggest game of the year. So and none of the other nominees did that. So here's your your uh, player of the year award. Um, but that's true. I, I if they announced the 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 you know, nominees before or after the game, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think that they probably made had is had their main their minds up before before the game. But that is a good point because he did have a strong game as well. Do you, do you know another thing? I always kind of wondered what they uh, that awards. It's like, what happens if there's just a, like an absolutely filthy try in the World Cup final after you already announced the try of the year nominees and stuff? Can you can you like backtrack yeah, it and be like, like, oh think, wait, did you like? I think I think that? I think try I mean, not, of the year they definitely need to wait on. Yeah, like I don't think like, I don't another, think you can. There's two uh, more games we're gonna have yeah. to after they announce that. Yeah. I don't think that you can you can inc- uh, include the uh, the man man of the year or, or player of the year just because one game or two games should not change that. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's fair. It probably that's should. fair. But I think try of the year could try the year. Oh, for sure, because I think Colby's try was just as impressive as the one that ended up being winning. Uh, I it's I don't know. It's on a bigger stage. Um, that finish uh, by uh, Paranera is unreal though it's just that like i don't even care about the rest of the play like i mean just i, I guess the rest of the play who i think it was like there was a behind the back pass mixed into that play too though right but um like that, that was a that was a really good try but right um there's there's a bunch man there's probably there, there's there's always ones too that are just like they're probably something that happened in like division two that of you know the some there there was that one try in like uh, Division Two in France that was really sick. That, this year, uh, that division that that league seems to be pulling out a bunch of really nice tries. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that that's like the Harlem Globetrotters if they played rugby. Right. So Derek, I'm going to ask you to put your galaxy brain hat on now. I want you to think grand scheme about rugby after this World Cup, especially after South Africa's win. Because one of the biggest gripes people seem to have about international rugby is that the same countries always win. South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, England, and France. They've mm-hmm. always been the winners. You know, we still haven't had, you know, you know, Wales was close. You know, they almost did it. You know, Japan, great story. But uh, it's we still have the same teams winning again and again. What is this? Does this win make any difference because it wasn't the All Blacks? Even though really it's like one A versus one B. You know they've they've been the top two teams in a in a long time. So does this win make any difference in the grand scheme of things? You know has has this World Cup, especially at least the, these the knockout stages, change your mind about the progress on a grand scheme about rugby and where it, it should be yeah. going? I mean, like the. I don't think if you if you go up to a non-rugby fan and started talking about the World Cup final and they asked who was in it, I don't think non-rugby fans would be shocked to hear England and South Africa were in the World Cup final or that Wales and the All Blacks were playing for bronze. Uh, but like to be honest, though, it's like I don't I don't think like the same teams can't like 
because it's like the same teams have won, but it's like they've won in like exciting ways and things like that too, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, like there there was a lot of people after that um, the uh, the England All Blacks game that were saying that there's no way uh, South Africa could win that game. Um, and then, right. And it was like South Africa almost looked like they were like an underdog to actually win the final, um, in this one. And it like, and they ended up, uh, you know, completely dominating England. Um, they kind of went against the great, the game ended up looking very different from what a lot of people predicted. Um, which is also a good thing, I think, but I think ultimately like there's a bunch of sports that have, you know, the same countries winning a lot. I mean, you could say that about hockey, you know, Canada, the U.S., Sweden, and Russia. You could say that about basketball. Well, it's... the U.S. doesn't win in hockey, but... I mean, yeah. you're talking about women's, women's hockey. hockey. Women's hockey, they, they're good. They're good at women's hockey. They're men's hockey, men's yeah. hockey, they're not that good. I mean, they're perennial bronze medal. They won in... I could, the, the USA won a tournament in 1996 and 1980 and nothing else in the other 100 years of international hockey. Okay, well, got, we're not going to. They got two not, wins, and we're so excited they made a movie about it. We're not going to get into the trash, the U.S. hockey program, but but you know, and the same thing with basketball. It's yeah, we'll the U.S. Kessel. Oh, I love I love Bill Kessel, but we're you know, we're, you know, the U.S. U.S. are are king in basketball, you know, and you can add Spain or France. Yeah, sometimes you know, can compete I mean, against them. Yeah, like baseball is always like Japan and the USA. And the US. Like I mean, the only the only sport where you don't have you where you have that parity is really is, is soccer. Yeah. Like that's the only sport, and that's because it's the world's largest game. Yeah, it's the most widely it's the most widely played. And obviously, like I mean, I'm sure if we sat here and kind of like we could like, you know, it'd be fun to maybe like you know, like how many how many gold medal uh, how many like gold medals uh, have like the, does Germany have in like bobsled and stuff like that? Oh yeah, right. Or like how like the medals that like you know China and the United States put up in like gymnastics or something. It's like you kind of like you get like the same countries that kind of you know are like like you know it's like is Netherlands dominates speed skating. Um, there's obviously, you know, um, there's a bunch of sports across the world that kind of have, you know, certain certain countries are really good at certain sports. And it's because it's part of like, like the reason that us like Canada is so good at hockey is because it's a, such a major culturally significant sport to us. So, you know, everybody plays it. Everybody like a lot of people play it. A lot of people watch it. Um, and it's. You know, and there's a lot of time, money, and other resources that are devoted to Canada becoming great at hockey. And it's the same thing for like New Zealand, right? Like, uh, you know, the the sport of rugby is, you know, like almost like uh, like we kind of treat hockey with like almost like a religious, like like a religion basically. And it's kind of to that extent, it's like in New Zealand as well. And it's just, that's the way it is. Like, New Zealand's sport is rugby. Um, same with, like, you know, South Africa, same, right? And, you know, there's a lot of, those countries are always going to be good at rugby. Um, I think, and it's just like Canada's, like, Canada's always going to be good at hockey. The United States are always going to be good at baseball. New Zealand's always going to be good at rugby. It's just, like, the way it is. And it's not necessarily, like, 
I don't think if if rugby like um, we can bring I'll bring up women's hockey again like women's hockey kind of I think struggles a little bit because it's always Canada and the United States um like pretty like uh, pretty much every major international tournament um with a few like rare exceptions um just always comes down to Canada and the United States mm-hmm. um which in a way makes it a little less interesting to watch just because it's the same countries. It's literally the same countries every mm-hmm. single time. It's not like, you know, like at least like, like, you know, the rugby championship can cycle, you know, like Australia, the Springboks, all blacks, um, like they've all kind of like had their runs in the rugby championship where they've been winning that same with the six nations. All uh, I guess all six of those countries, except Italy have had like a run, <laughs> Um, Asterisks, except for Italy. Yeah, except for Italy, have had a run um, of success in in that tournament and stuff as well. Um, and it, it's just right. So it's like the same countries, like even the World Cup. It's like yes, there's only you know only four countries have actually won the World Cup, but it's like you know like they, they're, they're kind of spread out enough that it still kind of keeps it interesting like you went through the period in the 90s where australia was really good all right and it's like we just finished like um we kind of talked i think we talked about it the last podcast but it was like the all blacks like the all blacks just kind of went through probably one of the best runs in sports history um which kind mm-hmm. of ended so it's like to see them going went back to back is really cool um because they were they were like the all blacks were basically the best sports team on the planet in any sport for like a decade. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, they have their two world cups to show for it. Um, so it's obviously like, it's always great to see it now. It's, you know, it's the 12th year of the cycle. So it's South Africa's turn to win the world cup. Um, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens in, uh, in, uh, in four years, but uh, maybe it'll be Japan. Who knows? And, you know, we're, we're, we're big advocates for, promoting tier two rugby i mean our country is a borderline tier two tier three uh country so we're not saying we need to give up on these countries and only support tier one nations i mean we just saw uruguay beat a borderline tier one nation we saw you know uh japan do everything that they did and and really have a strong uh tournament you know we want these smaller countries to succeed we're just stating the fact that Unfortunately, this sport is still not parity based, and really, there's not a lot of sports out there, guys. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think that I think to, to me that's the big the big takeaway from this World Cup. I mean, like we still obviously have the uh, like the powerhouses of the sport, but to see, like you said, to see Uruguay uh, beat Fiji, and then to see uh, like um, uh, Japan beat just co-undefeated through their pool um they beat uh you know beating ireland and scotland and uh like like one they smoked ireland too like that was ireland um like ireland lost that game like there was no at no point in that game that it looked like ireland could win this yeah um they smoked ireland yeah um and it was the same thing against scotland like that was a wire to wire at no point was scotland in the driver's seat of that game. They had a nice little comeback attempt to make the scoreboard look a little bit more uh, respectable um, <laughs> at the end. But, like, but like, yeah, Japan smoked them. And they play a, 
I think the thing too with Japan is they play like a really fast pace, very, um, very exciting, very fun style and brand of rugby that, you know, you kind of like, if you're trying to market the sport, that's kind of what you want to go for. It's like, oh, yeah. they, they can, like, they have a handful of guys that can light you up with a really big hit. And then they also have a handful of guys, uh, that, you know, have, you know, some great footwork and put on a nice step and then take off with a, you know, a really high skilled play. Um, and it makes Japan a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, going going forward, I really hope they get more shots against tier one nations. And, you know, well, if, if, they, I'm the US, if I'm the U.S., I'm calling Japan and saying, hey, we need to set up some type of series or, you know, uh, uh, schedule wow. test matches against each other. Because need- the Pacific Nations Cup uh, should be a recurring thing. Yeah, for uh, sure. It would be nice to have it as a recurring thing. So our last thing that we would want to talk about on this World Cup is, Derek, how are you going to remember this World Cup? I mean, the pool stages were so much fun. And then you have this, like, kind of interrupt, you know, monsoon, tsunami, heartbreaker where we lost a couple of big matches, especially for Canadian fans. Yeah. And then, you know, a very exciting uh, knockout stage. And then finally culminating in, in, in an amazing World Cup. So how are you as a fan and as as a rugby writer going to remember this World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, I think the big thing that will stick out from this World World Cup, you know, in a few years, will be like, it'll be the one that, you know, had a typhoon cancel a bunch of games. Um, and, you know, that's... Like I said, I still I still think it was the right decision to cancel those games because you know uh, people's people's safety is is a lot more important than um, than the outcome of a rugby match. But it's still. But that being said, though, it's like you know this this was probably one of the larger stories of it. I think also, t- and you know, having say a guy like uh, you know Sergio Parise was announcing his retirement, although it sounds like he might come back down it's like you know I was kind of robbed of you know his last game so there's some there were some impacts that the typhoon um did have but it also created you know some positive stories and stuff obviously like you get we got the story of you know um after the Canada's game against Namibia was canceled the the Canadian team went out and uh um uh, offered their assistance to the the cleanup efforts um in the area so it's like you obviously you get that that moment um, from the World Cup, I think will be something that will be remembered. Um, on on the like for stuff on the pitch, I think one that um, that Scotland or Scotland Japan game will be remembered for a long time. Uh, again, both because of what Scotland was saying in the build up to it, how much work had to go in to actually get that game be, to be played, and then the actual outcome of the game itself with Japan winning and really becoming the first tier two nation to go undefeated through a pool stage um, and actually, you know, and um, earn their way into the, the quarterfinals. Um, so I think like that'll be another one. Um, Uruguay beating Fiji, I think will be another big moment that's going to be remembered. Uh, I think though, you know, I think a lot of, you know, UK based fans may remember the, uh, you know, the English obviously beating the all blacks, but I think, you know, um, like the Springboks, too, they became the first team to win the World Cup after losing a game in the pool stage. Um, so that's an impressive accomplishment. And I also think, you know, 
uh, you know, you get like the beast goes out on top um, after a great career. Um, you know, you get the obviously the, you know, with given like the situation and stuff in South Africa at the moment, you get the big, uh, you know, you get the big sort of, I guess, political image of Sia Khaleesi lifting the World Cup trophy while wearing a Springbok jersey. Um, right. And it's like every after, you know, every time after every basically every Springbok in a postgame interview mentioned, you know, how using sport to like unite people and everything. Um, so like, it was obviously, you know, for, for the South, for the South African team, uh, you know, you could tell that this, like winning the world cup meant a lot more to them than just, uh, a rugby game, um, or just what happens on the pitch. There was a much bigger, like, like, I kind of like, I guess maybe similar to 95 there, uh, there was a much bigger, like political picture that, um, was surrounding their victory as well. And I think that's right. I think that uh, everyone's going everyone's gonna to have their own opinions about this World Cup. I think social media has shown us that. Um, but I think that it really highlighted a lot of really nice things. Like you just yeah. said, you know, the, the, the coming together under sport, I think that uh, it was really a big thing. And different teams really showed us that. Uruguay winning really showed uh, how winning can sh- bring you pride into your, into your country. I think um, uh, there's a comment by uh, one of the Russian players about representing your country and how important it was for him considering where the programs come from. Yeah. Uh, uh, his name escapes him, but he scored the, the first try of the tournament and he really was happy with his performance. And I think that this, this Rugby World Cup, minus a horrible tragedy, really was such a fantastic event. And I thought it brought exposure to the sport. So I really do want some of these countries really to, you know, jump on that, you know, countries like Uruguay, the U S you know, Japan, you know, they want Japan wants to start their own league. Well, let's see it happen. You know, let's, let's, let's grow this sport. Um, So we both really, really had a great time. Derek's sleep schedule is just, it's still, it's, it's, it's still messed up. It's still Japan top league starts soon. It's, yes, you know well, what are you gonna do? You can, gonna... You can enjoy that. I'm yeah, exactly. It's it's now. gonna be. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully the zone starts picking that up. I don't. I don't know how else to watch it. But you know, we're gonna move on. We're gonna switch codes now because uh, one of the biggest news breakers, and I mean, this was big. So for anyone who's this not, is, yeah, this is massive up here yeah. right now. For whoever is not a Canadian that's listening to this to this uh, that listens to this podcast. The announcing of Sonny Bill Williams going to the Toronto Wolfpack was big news in Canada. You know, two of the major uh, news uh, sports news uh, companies, Sportsnet and TSN, both announced this, which is it's big, and it was on Sports Center, it was on Sportsnet Central, and and Sportsnet even put out a video about people talking about how big of a deal this is. So we're gonna start. We're going to strip this down a little bit because this is such a big, big signing. Money aside, we'll talk about <laughs> that in a second. Yes, we, we, will get, we will get to that. Let's just throw we'll, that we'll, to the we'll corner. Start. We're going to talk about the positive stuff of the signing. Yeah, first. We're, we're, we're going to push that aside for a second because that is, a, that is, a, that is an elephant. Yeah, we'll, we'll what, get to what that. Does, yeah, what does this mean? statistics for that one. Oh, boy. What does this mean for the Wolfpack, Derek, in terms of the team's relevance in Toronto? 
because I, I've seen a lot of people, especially on Reddit, talk about how he doesn't, he's not going to bring as much fans in as people think. Like the comparison was made uh, to David Beckham when he came over to MLS. Now, what do you think about this? What do you think that he offers in terms of a seat, you know, filler or even just even just like a cultural impact for the team? I mean, I think it's huge. I mean, I know I think I think people kind of use David Beckham just because it's the easiest comparison because he came over, um, obviously from England, came to play for the LA Galaxy in MLS. Um, and I think that's just like the easy comparison. I mean, I, I think though, like at that time, like David Beckham's probably one of the most popular athletes of all time. Um, so I mean, it's it's tough to put anybody kind of in that like echelon with them. Um, but the idea I think is there. Um, you know, what I mean, I like I've had like even myself personally, like I've had a handful of you know, people uh, text me and things like that, asking me for like about the signing because they just, you know, it's like they're not used to like, hey, rugby's being talked about on Sportsnet. Um, so it's like people, I've been, you know, you know, getting people have been sending me like links and stuff just because, you know, it's like they just want to know. And, you know, uh, I guess I'm like the token rugby fan in our friend <laughs> group. So, uh, like, well, I'm it's a big, th- sorry, past- Derek, it, it's a big thing because, yeah, like, GSN covers. They cover the World Cup. You know, they cover all yeah. of Rugby Canada's games. You know, mm-hmm. for Sportsnet to, to report about this is, is big because they don't have any rugby coverage other than, like, their, like, world yeah, they, channel, they got, which, yeah, they which got, covers uh, the Premier League. But, like, their, their regular Sportsnet Central, like, every morning show really rarely ever has any type of yeah. rugby on it. Yeah, so exactly. big news. Like, that's, that's the thing, though, is it's just – uh, like my mind has been and has kind of been blown with um, how much this is actually blown up, and I think it like it's great for uh, just rugby in general in Canada because uh, you know people obviously are gonna like you know there's obviously an interest in the sport. Um, and it's great to see that it's like you know there's you know Sportsnet is deeming this a worthy story to devote time on their main channel. Um, and on their like made like Sportsnet Central um, is like um, their like, their major uh, like news show. It's the the rival to Sports Center. Um, so uh, and to be honest, like it was kind of blew my mind to see because um, I was watching Sportsnet Central the morning after, uh, just in the morning, and they segued it from NHL highlights. So it was like that was how like Sportsnet had their show set up is it was like they were talking about the like the National Hockey League, the most watched league in our country, and they segued the NHL to Sonny Bill Williams is uh, signed with the Wolfpack. Um, and you didn't you know stick around for after the commercial to find out, you know, the details or whatever. But it's like it went NHL hockey just in my mind to see a sports a morning sports show in Canada go from the NHL to rugby, uh, whether it's league or union, is mind-boggling to me, and that was really cool to see. Um, and, you know, so it's like so, Sonny Bill does does bring that star power, um, and you know, and it was just I think too like the other thing is like for for um, you know I uh, I mentioned to my girlfriend that um, Sonny Bill Williams signed. 
with the wolf pack and you know her initial response was kind of all like who is that um and you know just and but like when i was like oh he plays for the all blacks and then she kind of like lost her mind after the all blacks because i think that's part of what sportsnet and stuff was kind of doing too was to making sure the all blacks are a super recognizable brand name if you're a sports fan even if you don't watch rugby you understand what the all blacks are and i think you know sportsnet tsn they really are kind of using that and you know and because that's a super recognizable brand so even if you aren't super familiar with sonny bill williams the fact that you can say there's an all black playing for the wolf pack just drastically raises their um sort of their brand recognition and everything with that even though the all blacks are obviously union in the wolf packer league um but it's still it it raises that profile a lot just by being able to say you have a player from arguably the best the best well not even arguably the best known rugby team in the world um of either code i think that's that's exactly what i i wanted to say as well and i mean there's there's guys that are out there that, that have kind of been questioned i mean you know um uh phil mckenzie you know former canadian uh international who played against sunny bill williams at the 2011 world, world cup you know kind of mentioned it that he doesn't see how to draw for non-rugby fans uh, for the Wolfpack. I mean, I mean, it's going to be pulling in a lot more union fans. That's for sure. I mean, if, if I'm, you know, certain members of the Toronto Arrows organization, you know, you're, you're pulling in more fans from your fan base. So I would be a little worried about that. Uh, But you just hit the nail on the head. You know, you can, you can say anyone that he's from the all blacks and they're like, Oh, okay. Or you can show anybody the Hakka. Show him yeah. in the haka, and they say, "Oh, is that who it is? Okay, I know who that is now. Yeah, or at least I know his his team that he played yeah. for." Yeah, like I think, like a lot of this is it's not even like I said. It's like obviously, you know, Sonny Bill Williams is, uh, you know, he he might not be the best, you know, player in the world or the best player in the world at his position, but he's certainly one of the most popular rugby players in the world. Like he's got a huge social media following and everything. And, and you know what? He's gone through a lot personally. You know, I mean. Yeah. In his earlier career, when he actually was playing league, you know, there was a lot of tabloids related stuff. Yeah. DUI, you know, a lot of really, really bad press around yeah, him. Yeah. Like, he's really matured. And now he's, you know, he's this past World Cup, he donated tickets to Syrian refugees to come watch the game. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of really, really good things that he can bring to uh, the Wolfpack. And, and as a, yeah, you know, he's great. Yeah. Older, older vet, he can really uh, mentor some of the guys. You know, I don't know what the, the, the average age is for the Wolfpack, but yeah. that's definitely a voice that you want on your team. But, but yeah, exactly. And, and it is. And people, ho- hopefully, you know, uh, Canadian sports fans kind of tune into that and see it. I mean, it looks like he's already kind of bracing Toronto a little bit. There was already that, that there was that one picture circulating of him wearing some Raptors gear, um, which is cool. To, which is honestly, that's cool to see. Um, yeah. Any all black that wears Raptors gear, I'd be like, oh, they know Toronto exists. That's cool. Um, but uh, <laughs> get him so a leaf th- sweater. Thank you to Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard for winning an NBA championship and raising our profile to the rugby players around the world that enjoy basketball. Yeah. Um, and but. I think that's the thing, though, is, you know, even if you don't like I still think he's one of the more recognizable rugby players in the world. But even if but like I said, even if you don't know, you recognize who Sonny Bill Williams is, you recognize the term all black and like Sportsnet, TSN, the National Post, the Toronto Star, the like 
plethora of Canadian media, like legitimate, like major Canadian media that has been covering it, aren't announcing, hey, the Toronto Wolfpack have signed Auckland Blues star Sonny Bill Williams or the Toronto Wolfpack have signed former Sydney Rooster Sonny Bill Williams because like that name recognition wouldn't be there at all. It's or even like if they were to be like, yeah, they signed former New Zealand Kiwi Sonny Bill Williams. That name recognition isn't there at all. It's the name the like people recognize the term all black. And you know, and I even think like the MLR, like you have Mananu playing in your league, like you should like yeah, market him. Market him at like toss the term like all black in front of Mananu's name on like every piece of like marketing that you have because you know uh like i think that's the thing is i think like i hope you know because i saw that like i like you said with uh that state from mac um i've heard a lot of people when nanu got signed there was the huge argument of no player there's that player like you know it's great that he's in the league and stuff but no rugby player is popular enough for like general sport fans to you know to care or no and then this signing happens and it's on like Sports Center showing it, Sportsnet Central showing it. Every newspaper with a sports section in the country has an article on this. Um, and like it, it actually is an absolutely massive story that they signed, that the Wolfpack signed Sonny Bill Williams, which raises one raises the profile of the Wolfpack and Rugby League in Canada, which is amazing. And, you know, to an extent, hopefully it raises the profile of all codes of rugby over, you know, just from that popularity and stuff as well. Um, Right. Because you could also be like, yeah, it's because, you know, you can even do that. It's like Sonny Bill Williams is an all black here. Like Ma Nanu can come over <coughs> and have Sonny Bill Williams at an arrows game just to, because he wants to check out his buddy playing, um, you know, because that like they're the Wolfpack are going to be in town on that weekend, I believe. Um, or they might like they're not going to be playing on the same day, but I feel like they might be around. Um, I don't Derek's know. Still already, Derek's already done the scheduling. He's already looked at. Well, into... that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have that though, it's like, like I mean, I'm assuming like if they're like, why wouldn't you come and check out? Like, if you're Sonny Bill Williams, like you should be maybe trying to get him to like the Arrows should maybe be trying to get him to like come to a game, um, just especially that San Diego one because I mean he has like a genuine, you know, a former teammate and like friend that's like on San Diego, right? So. Um, you know, like that could hopefully, you know, maybe you can do something to kind of use that. That would be interesting to see. But, um, but I just, I guess, kind of hope that, you know, some people kind of take it as a little bit of a lesson that, you know, like I said, we're gonna talk about the money a little bit, you know, in a minute. But like, as far as the positives, like you can't, you can't, you can't possibly argue after seeing the actual reaction that this isn't a good move from a PR perspective from the Wolfpack, a PR and marketing point of view. This is amazing right now. Um, you got like full out national coverage on absolutely every like major media outlet that covers sports that you could possibly want, including the big two of TSN and Sportsnet. Um, and for that, um, you, you really can't fault the signing. I just hope, you know, I hope people that think that there's no, rugby player um you know in the world that can give you that like maybe beckham-esque spotlight i hope that they kind of look at this signing and be like oh there actually is guys that can do this because we went from like you said we went from 
you never see rugby on Sportsnet or TSN outside of, you know, the occasional, you know, World Canadian. Cup yeah, the World Cup, outside of the World Cup, right? And stuff. And it's like Sportsnet World's got a couple Super League games, got a couple, um, uh, you know, Premiership games. But the, the Premiership games aren't usually live. They're kind of like sporadically through the week on tape delay. Um, TSN, I believe, has Super Rugby, but that's only on the online like website so it's like yeah, people they'll, they'll do they have got like their yeah. game of the week and it's always live so it's like early in the morning yeah exactly and it's like and it's always like it's always the crusaders too i think for yes. the most part it's usually them yeah. um, they uh but, they, they show more australian rules football on tsn than they yeah. do rugby yeah no it, it, it's true yeah exactly um it's yeah that's very true they show they do they you know um and like and that's that's just the way it is. So the fact that you know, the, uh, I just hope that people do kind of realize that it's like there is, you know, some sort of worth in actually going after some of these bigger names because they 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 do have the name recognition. Sonny Bill Williams just proved that. Even if you don't think that they do, it's like, like I mean, you do. Uh, like they're they're there, and you know there are other guys out there that. Um, probably, you know, whether they're a rugby league player or they're a rugby union player, there are guys out there that have uh, probably some more global name recognition than uh, you might think. So, and we're going we're gonna to try and make this a little quick because people have talked about the money to death. Wow. You know, Not Sonny Bill Williams is now the richest rugby player in the world. Uh, he signed a two-year contract with Wolfpack worth $10 million. Now, there's an asterisk with that, that $10 million because we don't know how much of it is in, like, equity. Like, how much are, you know, are they giving him in terms of owing towards I think, a, I think a percentage of the team? I think for the sake of argument, because we don't actually know that, let's just call it $10 million. Let's just call it $10 million. Let's just call it $10 million for the sake of argument because we don't know how it actually breaks down. And you know what? I'm going to ask you But we know it's worth $10 million New Zealand We know in the bank, Sonny Bill Williams is getting $10 million. Has $10 million, regardless of how that's actually divided up. So Now, now I I, I Just for the sake of argument. For the sake of argument, okay. I I want you to hold on to that because I want you to answer this my last question first before we talked about the money. Because I feel like it's important to kind of get the whole scheme of what Sonny Bill Williams is bringing to the team. So we talked about his cultural and, and kind of pulling the seats, you know, yeah. impact. Now, on the pitch, Sonny Bill Williams going into this season will be the ripe old age of 34. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm happy that it's a two-year deal because I don't know how much his body can really take. Because really, the Super League season is quite long. It's it's super long. It's they're a in long training camp season. right they're now. In training the camp already. The Wolfpack started training camp yesterday. Like that's it, that's yeah, crazy. It, it's 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 insanely long. It's now my question to you, Derek: What is Sonny Bill Williams bringing to the pitch for the Wolfpack? And, and will he make an impact as much as the the money would suggest? Um, Sonny Bill Williams is going to be great for the Wolfpack. The dude can still play. Um, he just showed it at the World Cup, I think. Oh, yeah. 
Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, Anton Leonard Brown and uh, Jack Goodhue, um, the Wolfpacker, or sorry, the All Blacks are kind of undergoing a little bit of a, I guess, maybe a bit of a changing of the guard at the uh, center position right now. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, ALB and Goodhue, some rising stars there, um, kind of bumping Crotty, uh, Williams. Uh, Even Nanu. Yeah. And yeah, Nanu. They're kind of the, the old. The old guard of the, uh, you know, the guys that used to patrol the middle of the pitch for the uh, for the All Blacks are kind of gone, and yeah, I guess Nanu, two of the two of them are in North America now. Uh, both will be at Lamport Stadium next year. Buy tickets, people. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's uh, like I think there's a bit of a change to that, but I think like you know the World Cup, especially uh, that bronze medal game against Wales, Sonny Bill showed that the, he can still play. Um, you know, he had some uh, pretty nasty offloads, the classic Sonny Bill, uh, you know, never carry the ball in any fashion that looks secure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can always, you know, it's he's a walking, you know, at the top of his game, like when he was in his prime, the man was a walking highlight reel. Um, and, you know, he, he hits really hard um, that, you know, maybe that might, st- you know, if he's getting older, that might start to take a toll on him. But apparently he's also signed a deal, like a $2 million fight contract in New Zealand for after the season. So I, I don't know if he's too worried about the physicality um, of it. So, uh, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think he'll be a great player. He's probably, honestly, he'll probably walk in and be one of the best players on the Wolfpack already. Um, like, that's the thing, like, it is pro sports, man. And, you know, there was, there was, there, like, as exciting as it is, there's there's somebody on the Wolfpack that saw that and went, oh, crap. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like they're they might be, you know, they either got to work really hard or they're looking for a new job. Um, yeah. Right. So and that's, you know, that's the nature of like pro sports and stuff. Um, so like he, like he will be he's going to be that good. Is he worth the money? No. Um, <laughs> so we'll get like, into that. Is his so we'll impact worth going to be worth the money? No, he's going to be great for the team. He's also he's going to be great for marketing. He's going to put butts in seats, too, um, which is important. Um, is his on-field contribution going to be worth that money? No, not even remotely close to worth that money because no rugby player on the planet. Jonah Lomu in his prime with superpowers added on to it. If you gave Jonah – what's uh, Captain America, the super soldier serum? If you gave that to Jonah Lomu to make him bigger and faster than what Jonah Lomu was, he still would not be worth – 10 million dollars um at this point in time um five million a year let's say two years five million yeah he, jo- five million. And again jonah lomu with captain america's superpowers making him bigger faster and stronger and all and even maybe even letting him carry a shield to bash people off even easier <laughs> would still not be worth five million dollars or 2.48 million pounds a season in super league um just because no like yeah nobody is honestly i think the only and and this is just my opinion i think the only rugby players that'd be worth that much money would be like the top sevens players because they much they make such a like like they make such like an individual impact on the field in every game that like if we're going to give it to anybody, I would probably shell out my money to them. Yeah. So, I mean, all right. Like, I think, that I think that's how I would do it. Fair enough. I think, though, 
Like, yeah. So, like we said, so Sonny Bill Williams is making $10 million, uh New Zealand dollars. And for the sake of translating it, because he's actually getting paid in British pounds because he's playing in Super League. Um, so, it, you know, it, it equates to $2.48 million per season over two years. So he gets, you know, 4.6 million, million pounds over two seasons, $2.48 million per year. Um, if you didn't know, the salary cap in this league is two million pounds. Um, uh, Sonny Bill Williams is making more than the salary cap in the league that he plays for. Now, I don't want to get into like the actual rules of the cap because as long as the Wolfpack are f- actually following like the rules completely, they are perfectly allowed to do this. Uh, every team in Super League is allowed uh, two marquee players that. Um, are basically exempt from the salary cap with the exception of 150,000 pounds. So Darcy Lossix is gone though, right? Because currently the Wolfpack's two players that were their marquee players were Darcy Lussick and Ricky Lutelli. Yeah. And you're not getting rid of Ricky Lutelli. Like no. he, he, you no, got him to play him in Super League. Like he was fantastic, the Wolfpack. Yeah. So sorry, Darcy Lussick, unless you're willing to take a well, significant like, pay cut. Okay. The thing is, it's like he doesn't have to be gone, gone necessarily. No, the like I just said, figure out how to get him under the salary cap, though. Um, that's that's the issue. Um, is that the Wolfpack just have to figure out how to get him under the cap, um, which might not mean that he's gone, but it probably means if he's not gone, there's a couple of guys at the bottom of the depth chart that are all getting, yeah, you know, that are all looking for work. Um, but but yeah, so it's like. Realistically, you know, I came up with a few ways to kind of compare it. Like you said, it's like to put into context of just how like ludicrously absurd this amount of money is. Um, so obviously, with that being said, um, the like uh, provided Ricky Latelli's gap in how much extra he makes isn't four hundred and eighty thousand pounds. Sonny Bill Williams makes more money than uh, the rest of the Wolfpack combined. Because they only have $2 million worth of cap to work with. And provided that that gap between Latelli's salary that goes over that cap is less than $480,000, Sonny Bill makes more money than the rest of his teammates combined. Um, which is insane. Like, there's some high-paid athletes in other sports. Connor McDavid does not make more money than the rest of the Oilers combined. combined. Um, it's, right, like, it's it's insane. It's actually nuts. Um, I said, like, I, I, I came up, I, uh, you know, my article about the money was up on Layman Sports. Um, and I kind of broke down some, you know, just some comparisons for it. So at, uh, at 2.48 million pounds uh, per year, Sonny Bill Williams makes 124% of the salary cap. Um, so like, you know, if we decided in North America, let's kind of use the same rule and apply it to some of the, you know, some of the other North American leagues here. Um, so major league rugby, if Sonny Bill Williams to make 124% of the cap would be making $620,000 a year. Um, if he played in the CFL, he'd be making $6.4 million a year. If he played in the NHL, he'd be making $101.6 million per year. <laughs> if he played in the NBA, he'd be making $135 million a year. And my favorite one, if he played in the NFL, he would be making $233 million a year, 
which I am so disappointed didn't tack on that extra just so I could have said a quarter million because that would have sounded even crazier. Um, you should have just but, lied and just put Yeah, I should have. I should have. I should have just – I should have been like, oh, I'm bad at math. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he makes essentially just south of a quarter million dollars a year. Um, so, like, I mean, for that, it's insane. It gets – you know, if you – even to keep it as a rugby context. So the highest the highest paid player – uh, rugby player in the world right now in union is Dan Carter and Dan Carter makes 1.1 million pounds uh, playing for the uh, Kobeco Steelers in the uh, Japan's top league. So apparently looking through the look uh, when I did some research on this, if you want to make some money playing rugby guys go to Japan because apparently they just dish out money. Um, well, they're all businesses, right? They're all yeah, like sponsored by these like, super, super rich, um, like, like Panasonic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you just want to make money, Japan's apparently the place to go. Uh, Matt Gitau, um, former Wallaby, was also up there. He's like, what? He's also kind of like one point one million dollars, uh, just like Carter. But apparently, Carter's one point one, you know, whatever the hundred thousands uh, sitting in there. He apparently makes more than Gitau, but like marginally. But either way, one point one million pounds, the highest played rugby union player in the world, Dan Carter. Uh, Dan Carter also has, you know, the uh, like Adidas sponsorship. I think he's got like tag um, watches and stuff like that as well. Like, so he's uh, he's got some other, you know, sponsorship deals on the side that he's making a lot of money. He's making movies and stuff too. So um, there's there's a lot that Dan Carter's raking in some money. Um, but either way, one point one million dollars in rugby league. The highest paid rugby league player is Dali Cherry Evans of the Manly Sea Eagles in the NLR. He makes six hundred and ninety-six thousand pounds a year. So Sonny Bill Williams is making more than triple the next highest paid rugby league player in the world, and more than double Dan Carter at the next highest paid rugby player of either code in the world. Um. Which, like, it's insane. Like, it's, like, there's there's no, like, honestly, like, I don't understand how they're paying this. Um, you know, it's the Wolf, like, I mean, we can get into the off-field stuff as well. Like, we know that the Wolf Pack, you know, have missed payroll. We know that the Wolf Pack, um, you know, stopped broadcasting games last season because they said the broadcast cost was too high and they wanted to save it for the playoffs. Yeah, you know uh, what? It's funny because they, every time, and it happens to be some of the, the more fervent supporters of the Wolfpack, you know, every time you mention these financial issues, they, they'll have a retort that, you know, could be true, could be not. And that's the thing, right, is, is well, the Wolfpack holds so, so many cards to, so close to their chest that, you know, their money issues could very well be just, you know, issues with other companies and they decided to kind of go one way, or it could be that they're just being sketchy, you know, yeah. like they're, we don't, we don't know. And that's the problem. And I think that's the problem yeah. where we saw with the Saracens is they did things kind of sketchily and kind of hit a lot of their finances and weren't a hundred percent transparent. Mm -hmm. And again, people got to remember, I mean, the owner of the Wolfpack is a crazy billionaire. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I think he's yeah, fully prepared he's, to, to front the bill. Yeah. If he's, it means he's a crazy billionaire that also didn't front the bill to broadcast four, three or four games at the end of the season, too. Uh, right? but you so know what? This is Sonny Bill. This isn't boring, yeah. you know, television stuff. Yeah, but like that, like that's that's part of the thing, man. It's like, like I mean, they've had um, 
like let's say like even with that it's like they've had uh you know obviously there, there's a lot of people that you know that will kind of defend defend the team and everything um which is fine like if you like have no problem with people defending like a team that they passionately care about um but it's just like you know some some not every like if it keeps coming up it's there's probably like where there's smoke oh, there's yeah. fire, right oh, and yeah. you know we did see like the wolf pack literally like even if even if there's other things like you know even if we did take into account like the things that are let's say more difficult to prove or whatever it's like there were no broadcasts of those last you know three regular season home games right because they couldn't afford to do it like that was a thing and that was the reason behind it was that they couldn't afford to do it and you know if you didn't have a ticket to those wolfpack games you didn't watch it because they couldn't afford to broadcast it and it's like and even if and just like I don't know how much it costs to broadcast a rugby league game, but I feel like it's less than two point four eight million dollars. Um, so it's just it brings up questions like if that you know if they if they were at the point where they were struggling to pay for that, it's like how do you go from that to pay uh, trying to sign a player for literally triple the next highest paid player in the world, and you essentially also just. You know, we've heard, you know, we've heard that, you know, the Wolfpack have struggled to make payroll sometimes. Their payroll just on one player has now doubled um, because he's making more money than the salary cap. So um, there is certainly issues that the, the the amount of money is staggering and should be, should, in my opinion, it should be questioned. Even though, the, uh, like we touched on earlier, there's a lot of positives with Sonny Bill Williams coming over here. But the amount of money should be questioned because it's insane. Now, uh, and I agree with you, uh, again, devil's advocate on two points. Um, apparently, and again, this is an apparent, that the, the, the payroll thing was, it was a software issue and everyone did get their money. I mean, again, that could be very much wrong. Uh, we'll, we'll never know because we didn't, we didn't, we weren't really firsthand with it, but I, I don't know, there is. I think there is a little bit of method to the madness of having paying him that much. So I think it's it's a little bit of effect, flexing your financial muscle because yeah. the Wolfpack have been having to foot the bill for so much for the last three years. You know, paying for for all of the coverage when Sky Sports was footing the bill for the rest of the Super League, and you know they announced that they still have to pay for the bill and they still have to fly everyone out to Toronto. So by maybe bringing in Sunny Bill and saying we are bringing you guys in fans and money we were the ones who came into this new opportunity like if it wasn't for the wolf pack talks of ottawa talks in new york would not be happening mm-hmm. so by them saying look at we're bringing in sunny bill williams he just got came off of a, of a world cup we're gonna have more fans coming to your games at super league games and also in canada you know it's time for you guys to put your money where your mouth is and, and to support us by paying for your guys to come out or paying for those tv deals so I, 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 I agree with you that, that the money is atrociously huge. Yeah. But I also, in, in an odd sense, I understand to a certain extent why they decided to kind of flex their muscle a little bit. Just because something's got to give with the Super League. Because financially, yeah. the Wolfpack are just, they're like, they're like bench pressing as much as they can. And they don't have a spotter. And they're saying, Super League, you need to come spot us and at least put your end of the bargain because we're growing the sport. And I mean, that's always going to be the problem with Super League. And if if no one's familiar with League, 
yeah, pushing and growing the sport is not its forte. So yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a constant struggle. battle with the Wolfpack. But I think that this is kind of their way of saying, we're making this jump with you guys. We're aiming to compete and win Super League. So you guys need to next season what? do more. I mean, but like, no, the other side of that too is, is like, as far as we know, the Wolfpack still have to pay for that. Um, so now they have to pay for that and owe one guy $2.48 million a year. Oh, hey, so it's like, it's, that, that's, um, a, that's a so good I mean, point. It's, it might be flexing the financial muscle, but like, oh, one, I, I agree with you personally. I think it's, it's like, I think I, I understood the Wolfpack paying for flights uh, when they were going up against League One, when they were going up against the championship. Yeah. Um, especially since, you know, there's a lot of teams in that league that have part time players. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of teams in those leagues that have, you know, guys that um, genuinely can't afford a flight, a ticket to Toronto um, for a flight. There's guys that can't afford to take, you know, the week off work. Um, there's there's a lot of guys that just that can't afford to do. And that's and that's not even like, you know, like the team staff, like that's the actual players on the team that are like, you know, somebody's got but like, you know, and. And we even saw it a couple times um, when they were playing League One, where it was like the the competition that was coming over. Um, they couldn't necessarily field their best lineup because you know, guy, maybe you know their star player couldn't get the time off work or whatever other reason. Yeah, there's one game where they only they had they brought 15 guys. Yeah. So they were and, able to field a team and have two subs. Yeah, and um, but like, and that's the thing, right? So it's like so. For the Wolfpack, for in League One, I got it because obviously the Wolfpack had way more money than those teams. Um, but for Super League, um, okay, you, you guys, you guys are big boys. You can pay for your own flights, man. Like it's, you know, you also like the Wolfpack, like and all like so the Wolfpack aren't getting that cut of like the TV deal. And it's like in my opinion, that TV deal should be booking flights. Because why are exactly. you giving up even more money? Um, like, you know, why, the, why, why are you guys... The rugby like, league... Here, here, yeah, Saint, yeah, here's St. Helens. It's like, yeah, you know that percentage of the money that... Yeah, it's like, use that to uh, fly your team out here. Uh, yeah. Because you guys... They want are, their cake. They're getting their cake and they're eating it too. Yeah, you, exactly. It's got to be one or the other. Either either you don't pay for your flights and you, mm-hmm. you don't get the TV deal... Or you don't get the TV deal, and we'll pay for your flights. Like, yeah, like come on, guys! Like, there's got to be especially some since it's like the percentage of the TV deal is significantly more money than it costs to fly, uh, you know, thirty guys to Toronto too. <laughs> so, like, that's that's just uh, like that's my opinion on that. But as long as the Wolfpack do still have to pay for that stuff, it also makes me question why you're giving one player triple the amount of money of the next highest paid player in the world um it like it's it's a staggering amount of money and like i mean i haven't heard like this is the one thing it's like there's a bunch of the positives and stuff about sunny bill williams coming here and none of it has ever been um that like the money just doesn't seem to get brought up in a lot of the media and part of me i think it's because it's so crazy or whatever and um, it reminds me of something that uh, uh, I kind of, uh, when I was at work, I came across a, a uh, when I was at work this week, um, I kind of came across this like old story of the the formation of the WHA and uh, Bobby Hull. 
um, which I thought was kind of funny because the WHA was uh, for those that uh, don't know the WHA <laughs> in hockey. Yeah, this will be a bit of a tangent, but it's got a point <laughs> or whatever. The WHA had um, was was set, the World Hockey Association was trying to set themselves up to become a rival hockey league to the NHL, and essentially the way that they decided to go about doing that was to lure NHL players to their league with excessively high contracts. So at that point in time, um, the average NHL player was making like about 25 to $30,000 a year. Um, so the WHA started offering guys just like basically like boatloads of money. And, um, the, the Winnipeg team, the unnamed Winnipeg team at the time was like, was trying to get Bobby Hall to come and the negotiations apparently weren't going well and the Winnipeg uh, managers and owner at that time apparently left the ended their conversation with Bobby Hall who had no interest in joining the team with okay like what would it take for you to come and Bobby Hall apparently went I don't know a million bucks and then they came back three days with a contract that included a million dollar signing bonus and Bobby Hall was like okay sure i guess like you were actually you thought i was serious okay um and i feel like that's what happened with sonny bill williams um like i couldn't actually prove it but i feel like the wolf pack just kind of were like hey man like what's it gonna take for you to come here and he'd be like i don't know i'm 10 million dollars and they were like okay well fax it over to you yeah exactly and they were like okay 10 million dollars here you go well it's funny that the rumor of sonny bill williams coming to the wolf pack yeah. It was all throughout the season, and and numbers were tossed around. And I remember at the beginning of the year, it was a million dollars. And we're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Okay. So to get to where we are now, it's like, holy shit, it's, that's it's a still lot. still a lot of money. It's still it's, a lot of money. Oh, actually, I think even, it's just, like, a, even just a million dollars is a lot. It was $5 million for two seasons, I think. Yeah. And it's like double that or whatever. And, like, it's just – there is, like, there is nothing – I feel like there's nothing – like, unless you have – Unless you sit down and put together like the greatest argument of all time, um, like all time, like we can go back through all like the legal cases of defense lawyers or you know uh, or anything to like be arguing a point. I I genuinely think you might have to come up with the greatest argument of all time to convince me that this amount of money is worth it. Um, that's and honestly, that's not a knock against Sonny Bill Williams. If Sonny Bill Williams was just making a lot of money, it like I don't think like okay, so like Dally Cherry Evans makes just uh six uh six hundred and ninety six thousand dollars. If you paid Sonny Bill, if you made Sonny Bill Williams the highest paid league player in the world and gave him like seven ten a year or like seven twenty, maybe even seven fifty, give him right. It's like it wouldn't like I don't even think that would phase me. It'd be like yeah, sure, highest paid player in the world. That's what will get you to come here. But it's like the fact that you're tripling that is insane to me. Um, and you're paying you're paying one guy more than the salary cap. You're paying one guy. One guy is getting paid more than his teammates combined. Is like it's nuts. It makes no sense. And then you can add in all the off field stuff. And I genuinely have no idea how the Wolfpack are going to pay this. And I think but, that's how it will continue to be throughout, you know, this winter. Until... But that being said, I'm totally going to Lamport Stadium to watch Sonny Bill Williams play rugby. And I'm sure a lot of other people are too. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You know, I, I've said on this podcast, Sonny Bill Williams has been one of my favorite players to watch rugby period. So I'm very, very excited about this. 
But we're going to take a shift in all this this financial business, all this financial talk. It kind of makes me feel a little dirty talking about millions of dollars going to one man. So we're going to talk about something that's that's positive, something that, that, that should make your heart feel good. And that is the Arrow, Toronto Arrows announced their new grassroots assistance program. Yeah, that's just so, cool. It's just a really, really fun idea, and it's cool. And if you don't know what it is, essentially, for every $200 season ticket sold, uh, you have to sign up with either your school or your club. But every time you sell one of those tickets and, and you have to include your, your club's code, 20% of that ticket goes back to your club. So essentially, as long as you're a signed-up registered club and you continue to push to sell tickets for the Arrows – your club is going to get money back to get put back into whatever programming you want. Um, and I think it's, we, we both agree that it's a very smart program for both the clubs and for, yeah. and for the arrows, but let's start on like, how's this going to benefit clubs and, and schools in Canada, uh, Derek? Well, I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's just more, it's like, it's more funding for their programs and stuff too. Right. Like it's, you know, like it's just, it, and anything that can help put money back into the, you know, the local Ontario clubs or even, you know, high schools, uh, you know, uh, any or even like university, it just says school. It doesn't def- necessarily define the the level of school, does it? No. Um, so, I mean, I could even be like, you know, universities, maybe colleges and stuff. I'm not 100 percent sure. But like anything like it just it helps develop those clubs and make them better. And if you can get. You know, twenty percent can, uh, you know, so it's two hundred dollars season tickets, but uh, you know, so that's forty bucks. Um, but like, you know, if you if you get like a handful of people doing this, like that, if you get people like buying into this program, it's like that could end up that could result in a significant amount of money. Um, and it's like you know, it'd be up to obviously each individual club maybe has different and unique needs. Um, so you might have some clubs that, uh, you know, maybe need some new gear, maybe some clubs need, you know, some renovations done to the clubhouse or, uh, you know, new kit, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it just, uh, you know, it just helps them to go to do that. Um, even sometimes too, man, like if it could be like, you know, if the, a club decides to take that and, you know, maybe beef up some like advertising or something a little bit to draw more, like more numbers into the club um things like that like that could be good as well um i think honestly i think this is like it's a great initiative from the arrows i think every mlr team should be doing this the wolfpack should have done this too um like the, i think that's been one of the biggest knocks against the wolfpack um in their existence is they haven't really done a whole lot to actually you know develop yeah there's there's more Aussie rules football teams in Ontario than rugby league teams, um, which is just a true statement. There's more Quidditch teams in Ontario than rugby league teams. I didn't know that before either, but my um, but um, it's true. Um, Google honestly, seriously, Google Ontario Quidditch. There's a lot of teams. Um, I'm not going to, but I appreciate just the, just, the just trust trust me on it. There's there's a good chunk of teams. Um, but uh, yeah, just just trust me. Anybody else? Yeah, go. Oh, there's there's but um, yeah, and so like that's what I don't even know how to spell Quidditch. I'm right. reading the Harry Potter books right now, mm-hmm. and I don't even know how to spell it. Well, I don't. Uh, know. I watched I watched the movie, so I've never seen the word written out, anyways. Um, but uh, I think, but yeah, I I think ultimately it's like that's what you have to do because it's like the the one thing it's like 
you know, as I guess, like you said, it's like it. All of this, like the arrows, the wolf pack, any of the other MLL teams, you know, it's it's cool that they're around, but it's like the only real way to make rugby grow is you gotta get more people to actually play it. Um, you know, you gotta get more more kids playing rugby. Um, like, and that's the thing, right? It's like you want, like, that's what like the MLR and the like, you know, the Toronto Arrows MLR, like that's what they're kind of doing right now. It's like, you know like a lot of kids in Toronto right now, like they, you know, they grow up, they want to be Kyle Lowry. They want to be John Tavares. Um, right. Like they, they want to be Jose Bautista. I'm going to use Jose Bautista because the blue Jays aren't that great at the moment. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back. Here? We'll go back in time a little bit. Hmm? Um, but it's like, Guerrero. Come on. Yeah. Uh, they, they do have, I guess. Yeah, they do have Guerrero. All right. We'll go with him. Boba Shett. Uh, but, like they want to grow up and be those guys. They want to like there's kids that you know walking around with Marner jerseys, Matthews, Nylander, um, right? It's like that used to be like those guys would be like the idols. It's like you want like kids growing up wanting to be be Lucas Rumble or like Dan Moore, um, like that's the, like ideally what you want. And if you get that, it's like you gotta give you gotta give kids a place to actually play because I think like. The kids are the ones that are going to grow up and, you know, if they really enjoy it, you know, eventually they grow up and their kids want to play it because they pass on that joy of the that joy and love of the game to them. Um, and also, you know, kid, kids are important, too, because it's like they, um, you know, they're the ones that help also, like, you know, convince parents to even necessarily go to games um, and stuff. So I think, like, you have to help the grassroots programs because, you know, if just because you put a team in one city. Um, doesn't necessarily mean the sport as a whole grows unless you have to actively, um, you know, put your best foot forward and actively do things to help the sport grow. And I think that's what this program that the Arrows have set up can really do. I think it's the, there's benefits for both sides of it. I mean, if uh, you know, if we're talking about marketing the the, the, the program, I mean, uh, the, the sport in Canada. I mean, that's the biggest thing that a lot of clubs have issues with. I know. You know, yes. my local club, a lot of money is spent in advertisement. Um, and if you've got money coming in from a professional team and even on their the press release, they're interested in branding partnerships with clubs across the country, you know, putting yeah. a logo on sleeves or having the arrows come to your 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 big, big games like rugby yeah. days in Canton and Peterborough. Uh, that was a big one that we that my local club had where we had games on TV and stuff like that. You know, that's a great way some of that money can be spent into uh, getting the, the name of rugby out there. And, I mean, the yeah. more you can smack the Toronto Arrows logo onto On elementary every, schools, yeah. anywhere, it's really going to help. And, I mean, this is great in for the Arrows as well because, I mean, it's good press. If more, if more of your season tickets are being sold, you're having more butts in the seats. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some schools or clubs that are going to, you know, give these these tickets out as, you know, kind of, you know, yeah, give the player of the week, you know, they get a ticket to the arrows or, you know, two tickets. So, you know, it's going to get more people going to these games, which is, which is great. And um, yeah. And, and I mean, too, like, you never know. It's like, there could have been like, there could be those people that are like on the fence about buying season tickets and then are like, Oh, like this goes back to help my club. And that's all like, that's all the bump that you needed to pick up like the, a set of season tickets. Right. So um, there's obviously like those, those, uh, initiatives, like if, you know, if you get a bunch of people that decide 
that are maybe on the fence of buying arrows tickets and this is something that can push them over um into you know starting you know to uh, actually purchase those tickets then it's great for the organization and it's or as the, like the arrows organization it's great for right. all the clubs and schools that are involved in this program across ontario and again we're not asking every single member of every single club to buy a season's ticket, but if each each club in Ontario can send, you know, fifty season's ticket members, you know, that that is a great boon for the arrows. And this kind of pushes that. Now, is there really I tried doing a little bit of research in this, but are there really any other comparisons in MLR compared to what the arrows are doing on the grassroots program? Um, as far as like tick, like uh, ticketing thing and a funding thing, I haven't really seen it. Uh, I believe like I mean I've seen like a lot of MLR teams um, look like a uh, San Diego um, looks like they're doing a really good job. Um, and from what I've heard um, from some other people more south of the border, um, San Diego looks like they're doing a great job of. Uh, just you know, building like some brand recognition in their community, um, going to a lot of big major like community events within San Diego. So that's really good to see. Um, the arrows do that too. I mean, the the arrows have been at basically every major rugby event in Ontario for the past year, um, which is awesome to see. They've also been uh, you know a handful of other things and stuff like that as well. Um, and you know, just getting the, like the logo, the team name, uh, player recognition and stuff out there is, I think, really. Uh, key way to grow the brand and grow MLR. I think one thing that's really cool about what the Arrows have done this fall is um, everyone, the OUAs, which is the Ontario University uh, Association uh, that, that covers uh, the men's rugby, uh, is very well known. A good majority of the Arrows uh, were part of university teams that, uh, that competed in different tournaments. Um, but what was really cool is I also saw them at the Ontario College Athletics Association's rugby final, uh, which I think is great because uh, we need to support every avenue yeah. for the sport, not just the university. Because if you just exclude the college sports programs, which has been a problem in other sports, you're going to lose out on some very talented uh, athletes that just didn't want to make the jump to university for one reason or another. Yeah. So I think that's something that's, that's really cool that Rugby Ontario has been doing. And if there's anyone else out there that does know of a local program that's being run that's similar to what the Arrows are doing, please let us know because we want to highlight programs like this. We want to show yes. that the grassroots in North America are starting to grow even stronger than they were before uh, because we really, really do want this sport to become successful. We want MLR to be successful. Now, my last question for you, Derek, is is there any changes that you would want to see to this program? Um, I've seen people online kind of talk about how the deadline is um, it is December the 31st. Um, there's yeah. been grumblings about maybe we could extend it to the, you know, they have single season, you know, single games where proceeds go towards, you know, the grassroots program. And if you use a special code like you do for the season tickets, like 10% of the season ticket can go or the, that single ticket can go towards your club or your school. You know, there's a lot to say that this isn't going to happen, but were there any other tweaks that you'd like to see done? No, I mean, I, I'm like, I, I think it's a pretty great initiative all around. I mean, you know, like 
yeah, maybe extend it. I know their the press release for it says they're going to, um, like you know, be giving the schools and the programs the uh, like the money that it, um, like the the money uh, from um, this program in January. So maybe, you know, maybe they just want to do it before the season starts, um, and have make sure they had time. I, I'm not too sure. Maybe if it goes well, they extend it. Maybe you know, it's. You know, it's their first time doing it, so maybe, you know, I think I think maybe it's just best to just see how it goes in the first year. Um, if it ends up being super successful, then that's awesome. If it, um, and you know, if and then you know, if not, maybe you can look at what tweaks you would make for it. And even if it is super successful, you could obviously be looking at the tweaks to uh, what can make it better. Uh, but I, I know it's that's uh. Like let's you know it's that's up to you know like Bill Webb and the uh, the folks running running the the arrows to decide. Um, it's you know I think anything that any ticketing initiative that helps give some money back to um, the local communities. Like I said, it's you know as cool as you know the fact that you know Toronto's awesome. Um, we're one of the we're the only city in North America that has two rugby teams. It's great, um, but um, you know it. You gotta, in order for the sport to truly grow, you gotta get more people playing it. You gotta get more, especially kids playing it. Um, so, uh, I'm a big fan of this program, just on the basis that it gives money back to uh, local clubs, local schools. Um, you know, and hopefully uh, those clubs and schools can, uh, you know, transfer that into more kids picking up rugby balls. And I think that that's kind of hitting the nail on the head. I wouldn't make any any changes to it either. Again, I think that the arrows need to be careful because they need to. And you mentioned it this to me before that we started recording. Is at the end of the day, the arrows still need to make money. I mean, they're yeah. going to their second season of of MLR. They still need to make money. So uh, I like the idea of it just being a test run for the program. See see what the interest is. Yeah, it with people's suggestions after and and move from there. Uh, but that's that's everything we've got for today, uh, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be taking a little bit of a break from it because really, unless you want to hear us talk about the Pro 14 and how DTH is doing, there really isn't a whole lot of Canadian rugby news. But uh, always keep track on Derek. Uh, he's putting out great content, uh, especially with some of the rugby news that's been coming out lately. And, uh, you know, closer to end of the uh, end of the year, we'll be doing our kind of Year in review of Canadian rugby. We'll look at all the games Canada played and the tournaments and the big news and and what to look forward to in the new year and also the Arrows' first season. Uh, so once again, well, we'll preview the second season, but look back at the first. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you like our, our podcast, please uh, uh, rate and review it on any of your providers. We're on Twitter um, at Little Rouge Rugby and uh, – Enjoy this lapse of Canadian rugby because pretty soon it's going to be January and we're going to be heading straight into lots of fun with the arrows.